0: Dick hello, I'm too old for games like that, boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, a few extra gray take hairs, it last Dick. Night.
1: <laughs> Great performance though from Seattle, Dick.
0: Yeah, I really was, and and you know the, the narrative nationally, as you might imagine. Um, you know, I listened and watched uh, about four hours of, of national uh, sports chatter this morning about the game because I was just immersed in it, and. Uh, uh, Almost zero was about what the Seattle Seahawks were able to do. Almost zero was about their defense being uh, just absolutely stonewall in the red zone. Almost zero was about Geno Smith and his near-perfect first half that he pitched. And it was all about what the Broncos didn't do. Mm. And I guess that's that's what happens when one team is a you know, uh, considered a playoff favorite and the other team is considered to be one of the worst 10 teams in the NFL. You don't give the bad team the, uh, the benefit of the doubt when they win a football game. But that was as much what Seattle did on defense and what Geno Smith did and the style of game called by Pete Carroll than it was the mistakes by Nathaniel Hackett. And Nathaniel Hackett, the coach of the Broncos, in his first ever game as a head coach, made some boneheaded mistakes, particularly at the end of that game. Run Um, run us through that one,
1: Dick, because that was something that the commentators, when I was watching, couldn't comprehend why he made that decision to go for the, what was it, 65-yard field goal?
0: Yeah, well, first and foremost, I really thought he mishandled the clock in the last four minutes. Uh, he was uh, That offense was very nonchalant, and I kept looking up at the clock going, my God, there's only two minutes left. My God, there's only a minute left, and you still have 25 yards left to go. And then I'm looking up there, and, and, and Russell Wilson's about ready to take a snap at, at almost a minute left on the clock. He lets it run all the way down to 20 seconds and then takes a timeout. It just... To me, the time management was the first problem because if they would have shown some sense of urgency, whether they got into the field goal area or not, they could have punted or attempted a long field goal and still would have had plenty of time with timeouts to get the ball back. But they just threw all their chips in the middle and said, this is going to be our last drive. And it really burned them because they were never able to get close enough and then You know, having Russell Wilson and just as a Seahawks fans, you know, uh, freaking out that Russell Wilson's got an opportunity to gain five yards and and all all but end the game, right? If Russell Wilson gets a first down on fourth and five, the game is all but over. Yes, a field goal could be missed, but the chances of that kicker missing a field goal from, you know, inside 50 yards or even 50 to 55 yards, um, it's well over 50% that he's going to make that field goal. But from 64 yards out? I mean, it's only happened twice since 1960. And the coach decided that it was better to have his kicker attempt something that's only happened twice in 60 years versus having Russell Wilson get five yards and a first down That's just amazing to me, and and he's rightfully getting skewered uh, both locally in Denver and nationally as well. How do you reckon that affects their relationship then,
1: Dick, between the coach and the player? Because, you know, they signed him on a a massive deal, and, you know, you put the trust in the quarterback, and then all of a sudden you get down to the last play, and you go, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to do this today. I'm not going to put that pressure on him. Wouldn't Wilson have loved to be uh, able to step up and, and, and make the yards and then lead his team to victory?
0: Absolutely. And and that's a great point. And it's something that I brought up in the postgame show. Look at the irony, right? Russell Wilson demanded a trade from Seattle. And the number one reason Russell Wilson demanded a trade from Seattle was that he felt that Pete Carroll, the Seahawks coach, was too conservative, wouldn't put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands enough, wouldn't let him throw the ball enough. And here you go to a to a coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who said, hey, we're going to let Russ cook. We're going to let him do his thing. And in the first ever game together, he takes the ball out of mm. Russell Wilson's hand. And as a Seahawks fan, that is just the sweetest ending possible to that <laughs> evening last night.
2: Dick, what about Tom Brady, mate? He's cocked his fair share of criticism. Still got it.
0: Still got it. Yeah, I mean, he was he was not... Tom Brady esque, uh, he was very mediocre in that game, but mediocre was enough to beat that mm. Dallas Cowboy team, <laughs> who was just uh, just awful. And uh, again, you know, year after year after year. The Dallas Cowboys get all the hype, and year after year after year, they fail to do anything with it. And now Dak Prescott's out for six to eight weeks, and it looks like they're going to fail to do something with it again this year. So, uh, you know, Dallas is the team in pro football, and Notre Dame is the team in college football that get all the hype every single year and almost always fall short of that hype so uh you know dallas is in deep trouble guys deep deep trouble they've got a fairly tough schedule over the next six weeks without dak prescott and i mean they have to be somewhere close to 500 um if dak prescott's going to come back and and lead them to the playoffs but they're in trouble i mean i think tampa bay is going to be fine but Tom Brady looked like a quarterback that didn't take a preseason snap. He looked like a quarterback that took, you know, 11 days off of practice to go to the Bahamas. So, I mean, he's going to pull out of it. But if, if Tom just plays like he did that game, Tampa Bay is going to have a tough time winning double-digit games. Mm-hmm. They're going to need more from him.
1: Yeah, you know, it you know, takes messis message. Text messages rolling in here, Dick, but one here just touches on the Cowboys, and this is from LP. Talks about how the Cowboys are the worst team in the NFC. But he asks about (laughs) Mike McCarthy. How does he continue to be head coach? Is he under pressure?
0: Oh, he's under a lot of pressure. He's probably under more pressure than any any maybe any coach in the NFL. Um he was a Super Bowl champion quarterback that a lot of people said, well, or excuse me, Super Bowl champion coach. A lot of people said, Well, is he really a Super Bowl champion coach or did he just win a Super Bowl championship because Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback? And there's, you know, you got to give credit to both the coach and the, and the quarterback. The same thing is, uh, you know, said with, with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson here in Seattle. But, uh, you know, Dallas has not made a lot of good moves uh, they spent a lot of money in free agency that has not come to pass. Uh, Dak Prescott's a, a good, very good quarterback, but he's being paid like an elite quarterback, and that's always a problem when you're paying a quarterback more than what he's actually worth. We're going to see that with Denver and Russell Wilson. He's definitely not worth $49 million a year at this point in his career. So, uh, you know, similar problems there with, uh, with Denver and Dallas. But, uh, yeah, right now I would, I would bet the Dallas Cowboys do not make the playoffs this year.
2: Well, over week one, it looked like the offences overall were a struggling, Dick, and the kickers had uh, some nightmares. Oh. Cincinnati, gee, how on earth did they lose that game? But uh, curious as to who you thought you know were the best teams from week one, and I guess who flopped outside of Dallas who we've just been talking about?
0: Well, the, the Minnesota Vikings uh, made a statement, guys. Um, they, they didn't just beat the Green Bay Packers. They hammered the Green Bay Packers. And uh, that was, you know, that's the battle of the two best teams in that division. And right now, uh, the Vikings have the upper hand. Now they won at home. Green Bay is going to get them in Green Bay. And and I would imagine at some point, Aaron Rodgers is going to start trusting his wide receivers. Um, After the big drop by Christian Watson in the beginning of the game, I don't think Aaron Rodgers looked at him again until the fourth quarter. The Vikings were very, very impressive. The Kansas City Chiefs were very impressive. I really thought... That it was going to take a little time for Patrick Mahomes without Tyreek Hill to get that offense going. I thought the Cardinals might be a little bit of a trap game in Arizona in week number one. They were not, and the Chiefs just dominated that game from beginning to end. They led twenty three to nine, or excuse me, twenty three to seven at halftime. Led thirty seven to seven at the end of the, uh, at the end of the third quarter. So a very impressive performance there. The Ravens looked good, although the Ravens had a couple of big injuries coming out of that game. Uh, So those are kind of the teams that uh, I think really stepped up and looked very, very good. Outside, of course, the Bills. I mean, the Bills looked like the best team in the NFL, Mm. just dispatching the Rams in week number one. What happened to the
1: 49ers going down to Chicago?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, we'll find out a lot more about the 49ers on Sunday when they play the Seahawks. Because... You know, Trey Lance had a bad game, but that was an absolute monsoon. I don't know if you saw videos uh, from that stadium at Soldier Field, but there were players, you know, doing the old uh, slip and slide dive, where they're diving through puddles. I mean, there was there was three, four inches of standing water uh, on that grass there at uh, at Soldier Field. So, you know, that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve judgment for a week on San Francisco, but if they struggle to beat Seattle. Or if they lose to Seattle, they're nine-point favorites. They shouldn't lose to Seattle at home. But if they struggle or lose and have a tough time, you know, scoring t- twenty-four points or more, then I think, uh, boy, the league lights are going to be right on Trey Lance because look who's behind him, <laughs> warming up on the bullpen. It's it's Jimmy Garoppolo that they could go to at any moment in time. Dick, what's the latest with
2: the Phoenix Suns owner? Mate, was he fined ten million dollars?
0: yeah sarver the uh, phoenix Suns owner uh evidently there was uh proof that uh, came about of of racism and misogyny uh coming from sarver there's been i mean sarver's been one of these people that have been uh you know panned people that know him people that 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 have followed him i mean he has he has been panned for years as far as how he runs that franchise. And uh, and finally, the NBA has come down, $10 million fine and suspended for a year from the league. So they, they must have found some serious, yeah. serious uh, racist behavior, misogynistic behavior within the front office of the Phoenix Suns. Ooh, that's
2: uh, heavy. Just some news in golf, uh, reading Aussie Cam Smith. Uh, well, Scotty Scheffler won the PGA Tour's as player of the year, as was probably expected, but uh, Cam Smith has won the... PGA of America's player of the year. So a little fanfare, I'm sure, for that, considering his defection to live golf. But this other story in golf, I saw that Sergio Garcia withdrew from the BMW PGA Championship in England, and he ends up at the Texas-Alabama
0: match
2: <laughs> in college football. And he's going to be I sanctioned? I saw
0: that. Yeah, he saw a heck of a game, so it was probably more entertaining than the, <laughs> than the golf tournament was. But, uh, you know, that's interesting, the Cam Smith thing, because... Again, it shows that the PGA of America is not 100% totally aligned with the PGA Tour. So What's the difference, this, Dick?
2: Just oh.
0: Well, the PGA of, of America is the association that runs the professional golfers of, uh, of of America and it's all the pros from all the clubs around the country, right? And the PGA Tour is simply the pro uh element of that it's just the pros it's just the the organization that runs the 54 you know 50 or whatever tournaments they have on the pga and and what's interesting is if they're willing to give cam smith a live tour player the player of the year award is the PGA Championship, who was run by the PGA of America, not the PGA Tour, are they going to be willing to let these live guys again into their tournament next uh, next year? And mm. I think this may be kind of an indication of, well, if we're going to give the PGA America Player of the Year Award to a live guy, we're going to let these guys play in the PGA Championship next mm. season. That's going to be very interesting.
2: And uh, just finally, sorry, Major League Baseball, the Dodgers are the first team to clinch a playoff berth.
0: Dodgers look phenomenal, guys. Um, They really, the Dodgers and the Astros appear to be a step ahead of everyone else. Um, There are some other teams, though, particularly in the National League. Uh, The Atlanta Braves are red, red hot. Uh, They had won 22 of 27, and they set foot in my beautiful T-Mobile Park down the street. And the Mariners got them two out of three last weekend. So uh, the Mariners continue to be hot. They're going to go to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. But yes, as of right now, uh, the Dodgers in the uh, the National League, the Astros in the American League, do appear to be the uh, cream of the crop in those two leagues. Thank you so much, mate. See you, boys. Talk to you next week.